following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. So, uh, we are going to spend the next two weeks finishing up this series. So tonight we're actually going to talk about community. We're going to look at how the fall has deformed our view of community. But before we do that, let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would meet us here in this hour, that you would teach us more about ourselves and teach us more about you. Lord, help us to see the ways that we need each other and the way that we need to be in community. Just pray that for myself, pray that for the leaders, pray that for the students. And help us to just enjoy fellowship together as we live life in community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Any Toy Story fans out there? I like Toy Story. Toy Story 2 was all right. It kind of went downhill after that. But I really love the Toy Story movies because there's this sense of, so you have the main characters, Buzz Lightyear and Woody. They start out as enemies. They become friends, okay? They start out as enemies and they become good friends by the end of the films. And the whole premise of the Toy Story movie is about a community of toys coming together and living life together and upholding one another. Friendship, forgiveness, being part of a community. They start out different, but in the end they find some common ground and they enjoy life together. The word community, which we're talking about tonight, it's derived from a Latin word which means the same. When we look at the word community, it, it describes sameness or the same. The word communitas is derived from the word communis, which means common, public, shared by all or shared by many. And that word is a combination of a Latin prefix con, which means together, and munis, which has to do with performing service towards one another. So the whole idea of community is geared towards living life together, serving one another, loving one another, uh, and having a, a common thread that holds us together. And as Christians, what is our common thread that holds us together? Jesus, okay? We believe in a Savior who has risen from the dead, died on the cross for us, and is now reigning in heaven. And that actually draws us together. We can be completely different from one another, but that one thing is the most important thing which holds us together. So the point of community is, is to be part of something bigger than ourselves and to live for something bigger than ourselves which I think, honestly, we all long for in some way, shape, or form. But, as we've seen all semester, the fall has really messed that up for us. It's given us a skewed, faulty view of it. It's broken our view of it. So tonight I want us to see that the Christian life will suffer in silo. We are called to be in community. The Christian life will suffer in a silo, uh, but we are called to be in community. So, how does the fall deformed community for us? Let's turn to Genesis 2, 18-25. And I don't remember which leaders I gave the passages to, so if you can just come on up here and read, that'd be great. Genesis 2, 18-25. You stand right next to the Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. 
And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Thank you, Caleb. So at creation, God is still something very beautiful. And here it's, it's kind of talking about the installation of this thing called marriage. But that in itself is a form of community. People coming together for a shared purpose of living life together. It's instilling this importantness of connection, connectivity to one another. We were created to be in community with others. If you notice, what did God say about this? It's good, right? The fall has not happened. This whole idea of connection is good. Everything up to this point has been good. Okay, so God desired to create a helper that was fit for Adam in verse 18. And it's this idea of us complementing and walking alongside one another and living life together in order to fulfill that shared purpose of community and glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So before this helper was given to Adam, what happened? God brought all the animals to Adam and he has the responsibility of naming all these animals, which I think would be a really fun job. But at the end of this line of animals, what happens? Is there any satisfaction in Adam's heart? No, there's no helper that was fit for him. So God creates something. He creates something that is also good. He fills that void of community that Adam is feeling. Okay? If you notice, if you look at all of crea- the, the whole creation narrative, the only thing that was not good was what? That Adam was alone. That Adam didn't have another human being to live in community with. Okay? There exists this need for community. So God creates Eve to be with Adam. Community arrives. He didn't have community with any of the animals, with the giraffes or snakes or squirrels. But he had community with Eve. And they had children. And that community grows and grows and grows. Okay? Adam had dominion over the animals, but he didn't have relationship or community with them. So God provides. Okay? And again, this is before the fall. So this is such a good, wonderful so necessary thing but at the fall as we've seen throughout everything that we've looked at this past semester things get really out of whack so genesis 3 16 and 19 i believe caitlin is going to read that one genesis 3 16 and 19 page numbers are on the screen for you to the woman he said i will surely multiply your pain and childbearing in pain you shall bring forth children your desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you and to adam he said because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your, of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Okay, so at the fall what was good is now broken. It's now affected by uh, the... The, the deepness of the fall of mankind into sin. Okay? And because of sin entering into the world, all of a sudden our community, our relationships are filled with what? You can answer this out loud if you raise your hands. What does the fall bring into our relationships, into our community? No. Okay. Yes, sin. Okay. Maybe a little bit more specific. What types of things? Elliot. Okay. Yeah. Betrayal. What else? Okay. Fights with your brothers and sisters. Okay. Things like pain. Things like pride, disappointment, uh, Elliot mentioned betrayal, frustration and hurt are all now present in our community, in our relationships, in our friendships. This also makes relationships really, really hard. 
Okay? You ever notice that the friendships that you love the most are some of the ones that you have to fight for the most? And that's because sin has crept into that and made it really, really hard. We have to work at them. We have to invest in them. We have to fight for them. Okay? And because of the brokenness that we now have, we hold on to past hurts. We hold on to grudges. We hold on to things that disappoint us or annoy us. We get offended by things and we cancel each other. Okay? We seek to hurt other people. We seek to be manipulative in the way that we treat others in our community. And this is all because of the fall. And we have to be so aware of the ways that the fall creeps into our minds as we're in community with others. Uh, Again, this is why we have we have jumped into this passage just about every Wednesday night for the past six or seven months, because this is so foundational for us to think about. The fall has affected every single area of your life. And if we don't recognize that, then we don't see the great need of Jesus to speak into that. Okay? This part of the fall affects us in so many different ways. And the community of faith, like the church, is not immune to that. Like. If we think we can just join the church and, like, everything's going to be great and wonderful and everyone's going to get along and we're all going to be friends and no one's going to hurt each other, then you can keep dreaming that dream, okay? Because the church is full of sinners. And what are sinners going to do? They're going to sin, right? We do what we do best, okay? And we, we're going to sin. We bring a whole lot of it to the table. Even though we are Christians and we believe what Jesus teaches us, we still have that sin in our hearts. We're still going to bring that to the table, which is why we need to keep pointing each other towards redemption. Sometimes this is done with ill intent and sometimes it's done less intentionally, but we still hurt each other. We still say things about each other. Uh, We still do things to each other. Uh, Because of this, the church can actually be this place of deep strife and intense pain for a lot of people. There are some people that don't come into the doors of a church because they've been so hurt by people in it. You know, one of the number one reasons why people don't go to church nowadays. Take a guess. You can raise your hands. North? Christian? Okay, yeah, maybe they just don't want to get out of bed. Care about it. What do you think? Okay, so the number one reason why people choose not to go to church, there's been studies on this, is people generally believe that Christians are super judgmental. And honestly, we kind of have to own that in some ways, because I think in a lot of ways we can be judgmental, which is completely counterintuitive to something like community. Like we're supposed to be drawing each other in, not pushing each other out because, oh, they've done this thing or they've done that thing. We have to be super, super aware of the ways that sin has crept into our relationships, into our community, so that we don't have that perception of like people don't belong here unless you're in the in crowd. You don't belong here. Okay. Community is meant to be something that is so good and wonderful for us. But, again, the fall has really, really messed that up. The great reformer, Martin Luther, I'm going to put this quote up here. I think this is super helpful for us. But he describes the Christian life as this. We are all mere beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. Think about that. A lot of people think Christians are judgmental because, oh, well, they just think that they're perfect and they're good. No, the Christian life is about, yeah, I'm struggling too. Like, I'm a sinner too. Let's point each other to Jesus. That's exactly what this is talking about. We all desperately have this need and we can't fulfill it ourselves. So we walk alongside one another to point each other towards that. We are pushing each other toward that bread. And ultimately that bread is what? It's Jesus. It's Christ. It's his forgiveness. Okay, we can't do that on our own. I can't give you forgiveness. Caleb can't give you forgiveness. Carabeth can't give you forgiveness. Only Jesus can. But as we live in community with one another, we keep pointing each other towards that forgiveness and that is what the Christian life is about. When we have to, we have to recognize our own brokenness before we can actually help people. And when we start with our own brokenness, that, so 
part of what we're going to be doing for the rest of the semester is we're going to be doing this inward look at our own hearts and kind of see the ways that we contribute so much to the sin in our lives and the sin that we see in other people. Like we, we, we're not really good at the whole self-reflection thing. We're not really good at looking at ourselves and seeing the ways that we contribute to situations. And if we start with our own brokenness, yeah, I promise you, if you start with your own brokenness, your own sin that you contribute to community, that you contribute to friendships, if you start with yourself and try and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to be at work on the things that you're struggling with and the, the bitterness that you have, I promise you that you're actually going to see a difference in the way that you relate to other people. And I truly mean that. We have to start with ourselves and work on the sin that we have in our own hearts. Okay? Uh, that brokenness, if we recognize that brokenness in the way that we contribute to it, and sometimes we actively love to participate in, okay? sometimes we really love to participate in more sin because it draws attention to us or it makes us feel better or it makes us feel justified. Okay? But Jesus says, no, start with that brokenness and stop there. Like, you're broken. Not I'm broken, but, or I'm broken, but they did this, or I'm broken, but... But I'm not as bad as that person. No, you're broken. I'm broken. We're all broken. We have to start there. But in that brokenness, in that brokenness, Jesus speaks. He doesn't just leave us in our brokenness and and thank the Lord for that. He actually gives us what we need. He provides for us what we so desperately need. So let's talk about how Jesus reforms community for us. So Matthew 22, I believe, Caroline, did I give that one? Come on up here. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Okay, so Jesus is summing up the whole Ten Commandments and he sums it up how? We are to do two things. Love God and love people. Love others, right? That's what the whole Ten Commandments are about. We're to love God because he created us. He's worthy of praise. And we're to love people because who are people made in the image of? They're made in the image of God. And if they're made in the image of God, they have dignity. They have worth. And if they have worth, then they're worthy of our love and, and our treatment. But because of the brokenness that we hold on to, those past offenses, those hurts, creep in there and we distort that view. Okay? We no longer see people as viewed in the image of God. We see them in the way that we want to see them. They've hurt me. Or they've done this to me. Or they've said this to me. But if we view people being made in the image of God, what does that do in that situation? I want you to answer this out loud. If you look at your enemies and you say, that person is made in the image of God, what does that do for your heart? Or what should it do for your heart? Nora. Okay, it it should, and maybe not like instantly, but it should develop some sort of change. Because you no longer have hatred towards them. There's actually some compassion, right? What else? What should that do for our relationships? If we start with... This person who I'm so mad at is made in God's image. Yeah, we give them that dignity that they deserve, right? Okay. God loves them. Therefore, I should share that same love. Just because sin has entered into the world does not mean that we're no longer created to be in community with one another, which means that we have a responsibility to work at it and work for it. Um, now, because of sin, we have to work at it more. Because of sin, sometimes it takes time to heal some of those hurts. It means we also have to die to self more. Does anybody like dying to yourself? That's no fun, right? It is so hard to just put aside your pride and be like, you know what? This is not about me. We have to die to self. 
In verse 39, Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This means there are certain parts of our personalities. Maybe it's we're just more prone to being upset. Maybe it's more we're just more prone to holding on to things. There are things that we literally have to put to death in order to live in community with one another. And this is really, really, really hard. So let's, let's read Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 25. I think this gives us some encouragement as to how we can start these conversations and how we can start to live in this way. So, Dave, if you'll read Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from, all, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but, en- but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Awesome. Thank you. So ultimately, our community as believers is found in our union with Jesus. That's where it starts. It has to start there, because if you find your community found in your relationship with a specific friend, what is that person going to do? They're going to hurt you. They're going to lie to you. They're going to betray you. Uh, But Jesus never does any of that. So our union with Jesus is the foundational piece to this, and we have to start there. That is the only place where the curse of sin can be reversed in our lives. It's the only place where true healing can happen. The fall is only undone in somebody when Jesus draws near to that person and the Holy Spirit regenerates their hearts and draws them closer to him. Verse 22 highlights this when it says our evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. We can't do that for ourselves. Only God can. And the writer of Hebrews sees this as the fabric that holds the Christian community together. We have to be reminding each other of the healing that Jesus brings in our lives. This is why we, in verse 22, we hold fast to that confession. Uh, also in verse 22, we stir one another up in good works. We should be seeking to be a good influence on one another. We should be seeking to not gossip about one another. We should be seeking to build one another up instead of trying to tear each other down, um, which we're really, really good at, at tearing people down. Um, we're not to be neglecting uh, to meet, as some have made a habit of in verse 25. So we're to be together. It's like the fact that we're here together tonight is a testament that we're living out the importance of community. Like, this is good. I mean, this is helpful for us. We can't fill the community-shaped void in our hearts if we live in a silo, if we isolate ourselves, if we push other people away. Okay? And this is hard because maybe that means there are people around you that you may not like that you have to try to get along with. Okay? Maybe there are people in your life that are just like, meh. They're neither positive or negative. They're just neutral to you. But you're still called to be in community with them. Maybe they're people that annoy you. You're still called to be in community with them. And the reason is, and I hope you find this super fascinating, because I found this super, super fascinating. And I know the picture's a little bit blurry. I'm going to zoom out so it's not as blurry. But right here, this is, this is Dave. Okay? You can kind of see Dave's name right there. Okay? Dave is a human being. Let's just say Dave is six feet tall. Okay? He's an average... Average guy, he's six feet tall. Okay? Before I start zooming out, do you all know what the tallest trees in the world are? Redwoods. And the tallest tree in the world is called Hyperion. And the tallest tree in the world, Hyperion, stands at 380 feet and one inch tall. It continues to grow by about an inch and a half every year. So it's continuing to get taller and taller and taller. 
And the fascinating thing about redwood trees is, can anyone take a guess? Please raise your hands. How deep do you think the roots of a redwood tree go? Oh, gosh. Nora. 200 feet. 200 feet. Christian? Probably as big as Godzilla. Okay. Godzilla. Ben? 500 feet. 500 feet? No? 501 feet. Five, uh, price is right. Just one up to... Yeah. <laughs> 500 meters. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, y'all are way off. Anson. Five miles. No, not even close. Okay. We're getting closer. Six to 12 feet deep. Okay. Think about that. A 380 foot tall tree. The roots only go down about six feet. I'm going to help illustrate this by zooming out on this picture. Okay. So here's Dave. Okay. This is a giraffe, the tallest mammal in the world. Giraffes are pretty tall. This is an oak tree, which is a standard oak tree. This is the starship Atlantis, okay, which was sent into space. This is a Douglas fir, so we're getting bigger and bigger. Now, just remember, here's Dave down there. Okay. This is a, a carry tree. I don't know what that is, but it's a tall tree. This is General Sherman, another tall tree. This is Big Ben, the big clock tower in England. Okay. This is Centurion, which I believe is a type of oak. This is the Hyperion right here. That is a really tall tree. That's super, super impressive. I mean, it's bigger than the Big Ben clock tower in England. Okay? Now, the roots of a redwood tree, this is why I'm sharing this with you. The roots of a redwood tree go down between 6 and 12 feet, which means it only goes down about the height of day. And I can't keep this very still right here. The roots are pretty much right there under the soil. Now, how do you think a tree that tall can actually stay standing with roots that don't go very deep? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Okay, so the reason why redwood trees can stand that tall, the roots of a redwood tree, they intertwine with one another. And that is why they can stand so tall and so strong is because they lock together. And I hope you can see where I'm going with this. The more that we intertwine and live in community with one another, the stronger we are in our walk with Jesus. If you try to live the Christian life on your own, you are going to fail miserably. And that does not mean that if you walk with other people, you're not going to fail. But we were called to live in community. But I hope you can see, how cool of a picture is that, right? How cool of a picture is that 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 a tree that tall can stand with barely any roots going underground? And it's because they wind into one another. Just like a tree can grow but fall without a root system, we too as Christians, if we don't have a foundation of living in a community of faith that encourages us and strengthens us and walks alongside us, sometimes calls us out for the stuff we need to be called out on, we too will struggle. We need one another. Just like a redwood needs the roots of other trees to stand tall, we too need each other. So if we start by making this a priority, like this whole idea of community, if we start making that a priority, I think we will see a lot more healing and growth in our life. I think if we start with the fact that I'm a sinner and I have so much need and I need other people to help me, I think we're going to start seeing relationships being restored, hurts being undone, things being forgiven more. And as we end this evening, I want us to prayerfully consider the ways that we can grow closer to God together. And because we all need each other. The Hebrews passage reminds us that we don't need to neglect being around one another. Uh, Because, again, if we try to live in a silo, we're going to find ourselves being in isolation. It's hard to grow in isolation. So let's make a commitment to not silo ourselves. Let's make a commitment to live in that community. And that community has to be a place of grace. It's not to be a place of judgmentalism. It's to be a place of showing Jesus' forgiveness to one another. Amen?
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you that we get to live in community with one another. We thank you that you help us to do that, Lord. Even though it's really hard, you, you call us to do it and you help us. So we ask that you would help us to consider the ways that we contribute to the difficulty of community, the difficulty of relationships, but also ways that you contribute so much more in the way that you forgive us and teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.